Welcome to episode 15 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend and joining me again this week is Anshul Saad. So let's get started. The first topic that I'm gonna handle, I'm gonna have Anshul, you jump in here in the middle part of it, but uh, lots of news around T-Mobile this week. They announced earnings. Uh, you know, no surprise, they continue to build momentum. They're, uh, you know, they reported that both their pre and post paid um, subscriber additions, in addition to a very low turn, uh, returned one of the best performances in the company's history. And they now claim they have close to 100 million subscribers, which places them uh, at the number two slot, surpassing AT&T. Um, any thoughts there before we jump into the, the standalone announcement? Yeah, I think um, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people were kind of questioning whether or not T-Mobile would be able to hold on to Sprint customers mm -hmm. as they, you know, got this acquisition through. Um, and I think that's a key component of this because if they lost a lot of Sprint customers, they wouldn't have been able to do this. Um, and I mean, the whole point of the merger was the, to, to acquire Spectrum and build scale. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that they're proving that they're able to do both. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, and also this week, earlier in the week, um, they made an announcement where they laid claim to deploying the world's first standalone 5G network. So for those of you that aren't familiar with what standalone is today, in most deployments, we're in a non-standalone mode where the uh, core is LTE in the network and those radio sta uh, base stations, the radio access network is being upgraded to 5G. With standalone, you've got 5G core and you've got uh, 5G RAN. So, Angel, you wrote an article this week about that. I had a little bit of input into it as well as Patrick, our principal. Why don't you spend a little bit of uh, time on uh, what you felt were the big highlights there? So, I, I think, uh, you know, if you ever want to take a full read, it's on Forbes. But uh, mm -hmm. the quick takeaways are that because T-Mobile's uh, 5G network is fundamentally a multi-tier, multi-layer 5G network, um, and because it's built on 600 megahertz as a coverage layer, um, as they transition to SA, they become much less dependent on the 4G LTE infrastructure. Um, and they no longer need to use 4G for upload. Um, they don't need to be connected to 4G at all in some scenarios. And as a result, uh, they were actually able to improve coverage by 30%. Um, and they were able to add an additional 2000 cities that they previously did not have as coverage um, in their na nationwide 250 million pop um, coverage area um, and, and 2 million, 250 million pop is 250 million people that are potentially covered by their service. Mm -hmm. um, and they also were able to show a 40% reduction in latency, which is ultimately the most important part of this yeah. um, because the latency improvement is what different, you know, massively differentiates for 5G from 4G um, because you have a much shorter um, time to process data. Mm -hmm. um, you have a much quicker connection. So, you know, the way things load happens much more quickly and you give yourself more time to do edge compute or, you know, do processing on the cloud. And by having lower latency, you give yourself more time to do other things, which is ultimately why 5G is such a big deal to so many different people. Right. And I think some people have been disappointed with some of the initial deployments. Again, that's non-standalone. And so to your point, latency is a real killer when it comes to 5G, sub five millisecond. 
and SA networks are going to deliver on that promise. So it'll be interesting to see how this rolls out with T-Mobile. Um, on the T-Mobile front, we have a third piece of news to share. Uh, we are happy to be inviting John Saw, who is the former CTO of Sprint, now part of Neville Ray's team at the new T-Mobile, uh, on our podcast. So it'll be our first, what we call our standalone edition podcast. That'll Great timing, if I, yeah. if I say so myself. <laughs> right, Friday, August 21st, he'll be on. Um, so stay tuned, but we're excited to have John on. Um, it's, it's almost like we waited for this first standalone network to roll out to do this. Exactly, timing's perfect, I love it. Well, let's jump into your first topic, Anshul, and uh, you've got some information to share about the South Korean uh, market. Yeah, so uh, I like to be the, uh, the international guy, yes. um, even though you and I both travel internationally about the same. Um, but uh, the Korean guys, uh, their government um, basically did a survey um, to kind of assess where they're at in terms of speeds. Um, so they took the three major carriers, which are SK Telecom, um, K Korean Telecom or KT, and LGU Plus. Who, those are the three that have uh, 5G networks in Korea right now. And they were able to see, uh, you know, what those speeds are like today. Um, all three carriers are, are actually running um, sub six um, networks, so not even running millimeter wave. And uh, the average download speeds was 656 megabits per second, mm -hmm. um, which is incredibly fast. Um, but then everybody goes, yeah, but it's Korea. They already have fast internet, right? That's kind mm -hmm. of like the meme. And the reality is it's still four times faster than what they had with 4G, which as far as I know, Korea had the fastest 4G networks in the world. So if they're able to get, you know, four times faster, better speeds over 5G, that's already mm -hmm. a huge improvement. Yeah. And that's without millimeter wave and that's without SA. So I have a strong feeling that um, as things mature, obviously, you know, there's going to be more users on the network, so it might bog it down a bit. But I think as, as networks mature, they start implementing millimeter wave and they deploy SA, we'll probably start seeing speeds much closer to a gig. Right. Yeah, I know it's exciting. And, you know, SK Telecom announced earnings this week as well. Very, very strong. You know, I've been very bullish on, on that carrier. I think they're one of the leaders with respect to uh, leaning into service offerings. It's been mainly around consumer with esports and gaming and that sort and of thing. The funny thing is, access. The funny thing is um, they led on the speeds. So I also went deeper and looked at the speeds for each carrier. Yeah. And you know, the Korean carriers are very competitive with one another. Yeah. Um, SKT got 788 megabits per second. KT got 652 and LGU plus got 528. So there's a pretty big disparity between the three of them. Um, about a hundred megabits each time you go down to the next carrier. Um, so the the average on one carrier, which is SKT, is actually 788, which is pretty good. But because yeah. they're looking at the average across all three, it's a little bit lower at 656. Yeah, yeah. Still impressive. So Very impressive. We'll keep our eyes on, on that market. They're certainly a leader. Let's move to my second topic this week. And this week, Intel and VMware uh, had an announcement around a VRAN initiative. Um, and, you know, suffice it to say, you know, VMware, I mean, they probably invented virtualization, right? And so this is big. And what the two companies are committing to is building out the ecosystem and then promoting um, both the Intel FlexRAN software reference 
as well as VMware's RAN Intelligent Controller, or RIC, to enable the development of, uh, of innovative services. It's leveraging AI, ML, um, the edge, you name it. So, you know, from my perspective, you know, anything within the RAN area where you can virtualize it has uh, disruptive qualities to it from um, reducing CapEx. Right. And also making it easier to manage so that, um, you know, you also see some, some benefit on the OPEX side. So and we've been talking or I've been talking and writing about Open RAN as well and sort of VRAN mm -hmm. and Open RAN sort of fit hand in glove. I'm, I'm wondering, what are, what are your thoughts around this announcement? Um, I, I think it's, you made a good point that, you know, VMware are kind of the, the, the experts in virtualization. Yeah. Um, and obviously they're, probably weren't the leaders or the beginning of VRAN itself, um, but they've they've virtualized everything. If it's a machine, it can be virtualized and they do it. Um, and Intel is obviously a good partner for them because one, uh, Intel you know does a lot of the network transformation stuff that exists today. Um, and they're helping to um, power a lot of the VRAN and the core and, pretty much every component of the network at this point, um, except for the RAN itself. Um, and I mean, it, it makes sense. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how this spreads out further as opposed to just, you know, being a, one component of the network. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I think they can actually work together in more places than just VRAN. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there, there are two huge tech companies that are shaping uh, the industry. So it'll be exciting to see how things move forward there. Let's shift to your second topic. And uh, it seems Dish is really serious about building out a, a wireless network. Huh? There, there was an announcement this week. Yeah, so they um, they went out and bought Ting Wireless, um, which is kind of a, you know, a low, low cost um, operator. Um, but what makes it interesting is that uh, they just finished their acquisition of Boost um, as a result of, um, you know, a, you know, the spinoff of what was left of Sprint and T-Mobile. And what's interesting about that is they didn't really need Ting. Um, it wasn't an acquisition that was, you know, just enough to meet the requirements that they need to roll out a network. Mm -hmm. This seems to indicate that they're actually quite interested in being competitive mm -hmm. and having a real subscriber base um, and building something that is going to be truly competitive uh, with the existing market, maybe in a different manner. Um, and I, I think it will most likely be a 5G first network. I don't think they'll even roll out 4G. I've predicted um, that as well. Yeah, it just makes sense. I would do that. Right. They would use a lot of virtualization to do that as well. Right, because right. yeah. you know, I think it would be very similar to what um, Reliance did with the geo network where they're like, we don't, why should we care about legacy? Let's just build the most efficient, um, cost effective network we can. And we can charge a lot less for it because of that, because we're not spending a lot of money trying to hold up, keep old infrastructure because we yeah. have to. Um, so I think it's gonna be very interesting to see. I think it's going to absolutely be a low cost play. And I think they're going to try and offer the lowest cost 5G service possible. And that's why Tang makes sense yeah. because that feels very bright fit for what they may, or what they're probably going to try to do. Yeah. And well, yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry. I was just going to say, and I think it's 
I'm not entirely 100% convinced yet that they're trying to build a competitor that's going to be competitive with T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon. But I do think that they're going to create a network that's competitive enough that someone's going to buy it from them. Huh. That's interesting. Um, I've, I've got a couple observations. I mean, number one, you know, Dish's core business, I mean, that is eroding. When you look at what's happening with uh, cable providers, oh, you yeah. know, it's, it's just, it, it's- The it's cord been, cutting is unreal. It's unreal. And, you know, in the streaming services, like the Netflixes of the world that are delivering original programming are, the OTTs are, are taking over. And so there's a lot of churn there. And so if Dish wants to remain relevant, it's got to reinvent itself. And getting into wireless is one way to do that. You have an interesting theory there, but, um, you know, I believe that they also, they, they are definitely serious about this. I think the acquisition and team gives them some operator DNA that maybe was missing. Although I, I know that they've hired quite a few people from the industry, um, from the operator side, as well as from the infrastructure side. But I think it's just right. going to kind of deepen their acumen so that they are serious. And I agree with you. It's not realistic that they're going to go head to head with the new T-Mobile or AT&T and Verizon. I expect that they will carve out some niches for themselves, both in consumer. And hey, I think there's some opportunities for them to carve out some niches and uh, enterprise as well, possibly with IoT. Well, so, I think an interesting angle would actually be low cost business, yeah. which doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Right. And think about like all of the small one person businesses that are out there that would absolutely love the idea of a low cost business service. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's a vastly untapped market because yeah. most business services are more expensive than consumer. And okay, let's say you offer a business service, um, but you, what if you offer at marginally higher cost than a low cost consumer service? Because right now, most small business owners are just running off a consumer service They are because it's yeah. cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would agree that when you look at the leaders, you know, historically have been, you know, AT&T and Verizon and, and enterprise, you're right. It's, uh, it's not at that small to mid-market. It's at that higher enterprise level. It's, it's repackaging SD-WAN right. uh, and, 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 and other things. Yeah. And most of that bottom end of the market is just, they just seed to consumer and assume most of it would just yeah. be a consumer play. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I think we, uh, we both got some great insight there. So time will tell. Um, I'm hoping that I, uh, I can speak to the DISH team um, in, the, in the near term. So mm -hmm. once I do, I'll share that on a future podcast. Let's shift to my third topic this week and another announcement um, from Amazon Web Services and Verizon. So uh, I continue to be impressed with AWS and they're pushing the telco. Um, Wavelength was something that I covered at reInvent uh, late last year, I believe it was December, wrote a Forbes article on it. It's online if you want to check out the Forbes page, uh, you know, with more insights and strategy. But, um, you know, what, what AWS realizes is that, you know, it, you know, all of this has to work together. I mean, the cloud with the edge of the network, you know, down to the, to the core of the network. And so, what Wavelength does, I, I kind of call it, it supercharges the opportunity with 5G, puts compute and um, storage resources at the network edge to reduce latency and improve overall performance. And so Verizon announced that um, they're launching Wavelength in two markets, uh, Boston and the Bay Area. And, mm -hmm. um, and they have, I've spoken with executives, they've told me that, you know, they, they have several public use cases, but over 60 
um, have been in pilot with customers that, that weren't disclosed to me, just they said 60 large customers from a variety of different verticals. So this is real. Which um, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. your thoughts, Angela? Well, I mean, it makes sense to launch in the Bay Area, right? Because that's going to be where most of the software development talent um, yeah. and infrastructure is to develop these use cases. Um, so it makes sense that they would launch in the Bay Area first because yeah. it basically gives everybody a live test bed mm -hmm. um, and a, a good way to prove their networks out. Um, I still feel like um, Amazon could be doing a better job of, of communicating wavelengths to a broader community yeah. um, because it still feels like it's very narrowly focused on who works in the um, you know, operator industry. Mm -hmm. And I think for what they're trying to do, they need to be more um, broadly communicative about what it is and how it works yeah. and who should be using it. Right. Um, because I don't see much about it outside of talking to you and doing my own research. And I feel yeah. like they should be more, um, you know, engaging with that as, as 5G starts to grow and, um, you know, edge compute starts to become more relevant. Um, that's kind of my perspective. No, I think it's accurate. Um, we take it for granted because we live and breathe this stuff every day, right? But I would agree with you. Um, you know, I wrote that article, um, you know, in an attempt to educate the market. And other than a few little press releases here and there, I haven't seen a lot of momentum. And I expect, you know, I, I'm, I'm impressed. You know, I was briefed uh, recently by the AWS team. Uh, there was a telco symposium on, you know, virtual that I participated in and several executives presented and they've, I mean, their bench strength is incredible. They've mm -hmm. got executives from, from operators. They've got, you know, executives, I think one executive from Ericsson, one from, you know, from a, from a major global operator. And so they've got the right bench strength. I think they're probably getting their sea legs, figuring out, you know, the best way to go market this. It's not necessarily, you know, an Intel inside campaign, but I agree with you. Um, you know, there's opportunities to raise the visibility and Hey, we're doing that on our podcast this week, so uh, good for us, right? So let's uh, <laughs> let's shift to uh, your third topic this week, and I'm always jealous of you and Patrick because you get invite to, invited to these Samsung Impact events, and you would go, you know, physically often to the Bay Area and come back with lots of cool toys and prizes. But with the virtual event this year, why don't you share your experience? Well, I would say it was a bit weird in the sense that. Um, they did it from Korea this year, which they usually oh, wow. don't do. Um, but usually they these events- do one in the US and, and, and one in Korea? No, usually what they do is they do uh, one in New York or, or San Francisco. Okay. And then they do one in like Barcelona. Okay. Um, but lately it's just been like San Francisco and New York. Yeah. Um, so New York is like easy for everybody in Europe to access. San Francisco is easy for everybody in Asia to access. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, basically this year's launch event was, you know, a whole host of new uh, devices, uh, new watch, new earbuds, um, mm -hmm. the Watch 3, Galaxy Buds Live. Um, Samsung finally has noise canceling headphones for their earbuds. Uh, but the big announcement was really the Note 20. Mm -hmm. um, and Note 20 uh, has two versions. It's the Note 20 and the Note 20 Ultra. And both versions of the Note 20 actually have millimeter wave built in. So all versions of the Note 20 are 5G, uh, at least in the US. Um, it seems like there might be some 4G LTE versions because there was a thing on Samsung's website that I noted where it said 
5G version is two grams heavier. So I think there might be some 4G versions still around, but yeah. most will be 5G. Um, and both will have millimeter wave, which is a big deal yeah, um, because, yeah. you know, it's a flagship phone. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, the, um, the Galaxy Z Fold, which is the new foldable, the, the Galaxy Z Fold 2. Um, so they came out the Fold last year, uh, right. which is what I've got here. This is the, the old one. And um, then they uh, came out with a new version, basically fixed everything that was wrong with the first one. You know, bigger screens, thinner, lighter, faster, nicer cameras, all the things you'd want. Also 5G by default. When the old first launched, uh, it was only 5G in Korea. Um, yeah. So that's also a new 5G device. And then on top of that, the new um, Galaxy S, wait, no, Galaxy Tab S7 um, comes in a three, comes in a 4G and a 5G and a Wi-Fi version, but there is a 5G version of it. So they launched effectively four new 5G devices uh, at Galaxy Unpacked, uh, which is kind of a um, reiteration of something that I had published last year that you know Samsung is leading on 5G, and you know they're basically the ones that are you know introducing new new um, devices, new form factors. I think it may be one of the first 5G tablets. I don't think it is the first, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's just interesting because um, you know they're constantly innovating and like it's the first, um, well it's the second foldable phone or it's actually their third foldable phone because they also have the Galaxy Z Flip. Mm -hmm. So what's funny is the Z Flip also was not originally a 5G device, and then um, and then they relaunched the the 5G version of it like a week before this event. So I think they just ran out of room. <laughs> all the announcements it's a lot so they of launched stuff. the they launched yeah. the 5g z flip the like a week before they announced all the other 5g devices so yeah. in a span of a week they basically announced four or five 5g devices which is pretty impressive that's super impressive you know and let's not forget samsung networks you know you know before you know the deployment of 5g they were relatively focused on the south korean market from an infrastructure perspective and that's all changed now. I mean, lots of uh, wins with Verizon and, you know, other operators around the world. U.S. Cellular. Mm -hmm. U.S. Cellular, you know, for rural, uh, they're, they're very focused on rural, obviously, as, you know, the, the new number four now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I continue to be impressed with Samsung as well, just, you know, bringing high quality from, a, from an in-device perspective as well as from the infrastructure. So that was a great recap. If Samsung, if you're, if you're tuning in, I'd love one of those full devices, 5G, if you prefer. Uh, I'll send you my address. So anyway, hey, Angela, another great podcast this week. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, we hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. Um, if anyone out there would uh, like to provide us with insight on a specific 5G topic uh, they'd like for us to cover in a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Uh, Will is at WillTownTech. I'm at Entrelle Sog, and we hope that you have a great weekend, and please tune in again next time.